Welcome into another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, General Manager at Wisports.net, and your host for the WSN podcast. As we get going here, end of April, getting into the beginning of May, trying the best that we can to get spring sports underway. It's been fits and starts. It has not been great weather, certainly, but we are uh, we're doing the best we can. Schools, teams, athletes are doing the best they can to try to get in as much as they can in between the raindrops, in between the cold. Uh, I talked to, to several uh, coaches and, and players and parents and have, have said they haven't had a game above 45 degrees yet, which is not ideal, but we're making it work. Um, before, we, uh, before we get into our interview today, an, an outstanding interview that we'll have with WIA Executive Director Stephanie Hauser, I do want to remind you that you can help save lives on Wisconsin roads and eliminate crashes. Join the Wisconsin Department of Transportation's new campaign, Buckle Up, Phone Down. Commit to always buckle your seatbelt and put your phone down while driving every trip, every time. Take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Well, as mentioned, our conversation today on the WSN podcast is going to be with Stephanie Hauser, the executive director of the WIAA, coming off the annual meeting yesterday. Um, no, no fireworks necessarily, but uh, always good to, to get caught up on what's going on with the association and uh, items facing high school sports. So, Stephanie, thank you very much for taking some time to join us here on the podcast and give us some in- insight into the annual meeting and in all things WIAA. Thanks for having me, Travis. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. And yes, it was a fun day yesterday for me. It was my first in my in my new role. Obviously, with this being my seventh year in the office, wasn't my first overall. Nor uh, I attended many as a school leader in athletics as well. But you know, sitting in a different chair, it felt a little different. But it was a good day. We had we had fun. A lot of membership showed up and uh, had some great conversations. And then for the first time ever, we had an open house back here at the WIAA and invited our members in. Many of them from different parts of the state had never been to the office. So it was an opportunity to visit with our membership in a little bit different setting as well. And as you said in your lead-in, yes, Mother Nature is getting the best of us this spring. It has been a challenge. So hang in there, everybody. Sunshine is coming soon. I know it. Absolutely. And uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the annual meeting in just a minute, but I want to take uh, a step back a little bit. And uh, as you mentioned, you spent seven years or, or six years, as it were, um, in the WIA office as an assistant director and uh, hired, I, I don't know if it was July 1st or summertime last year as the executive director when you officially took over. As you look back over this last 10 months or whatever this period has been, what kind of reflections, what kind of thoughts do you have looking back uh, as you have moved up a chair into that executive director office? Oh, it's been a whirlwind, honestly. It's just the time has gone so fast. You know, my learning curves, I knew it was going to be, my learning curve was going to be very high. I I knew I, I had so much to learn. Certainly, I felt really fortunate to have spent six years in this office, so I had a pretty good working knowledge of how, you know, the operations went and, and how the organization was structured. But until you actually sit in this chair and experience it firsthand, you don't really know. And so I've learned a lot. I've leaned really heavily on executive directors from other state associations. been very fortunate that I've you know, new executive directors are assigned a mentor. So Craig Anderson from Illinois has been my mentor. We meet once monthly and um, just really appreciate the support that I've received. Our new staff and our old staff have really come together 
to, to take that team mentality. A lot of new in this building, and so we're leaning on each other pretty heavily as well and sharing a lot of ideas, doing a lot of debriefing. Just like after yesterday's meeting, we came back to the office, we sat down, had an open conversation about what went well, well what didn't, what do we, what do we get, you know, what kind of feedback from other people and what things might we look to do differently in the future because of it. So it's been a really good year, Travis. A lot to learn, but uh, been fun. And of course, you came in at a time that uh, you know we were still dealing with the effects of COVID, and um, you know much less impacts in this school year. But you know, even in the summertime of last year, there was still uncertainty. There were still some impacts, and there continued to be impacts, including financial impacts for the association. So, into this new role, what has that added to your plate, and what kind of challenges has that meant for you in this first year? As you will hear from your, you know, local athletic directors, the, the challenges have kind of shifted. Certainly at first they were very specific to the virus itself and, you know, spectator limitations and the fear of people getting sick and the fear of overwhelming hospitals and, and uh, you know, questions about whether to get vaccinated or not. You know, what we're hearing more of this year in this office, and I think most school leaders will agree with that is now kind of the next the next shift of challenges which is the lack of bus drivers the lack of officials um, the residual effects of financial the financial hit that many of us took during covid so it's a new set of challenges that we seem to be facing and certainly there's a lingering fear of the virus itself and lingering controversies about the vaccination, but it seems like it's shifted a little bit into this new realm of post-COVID, shall we call it, challenges. As you've looked over, uh, again, the last 10 months here, anything that that has surprised you about what you've had to deal with or things that have been thrown at you um, that you didn't expect, or is it in that office, expect the unexpected? <laughs> well, I had the good fortune of being an athletic administrator for, for 12 years prior to coming to this office. So you, you learn to audible, you learn to be flexible, you learn resiliency, you learn to not get too shaken when things don't go quite as you expected. And so that has prepared me probably better than anything for this new role. And so, no, I, I would say other than just learning the job, and you know, not knowing it again until you sat in this role, I would say no surprises, and and certainly nothing that can't be handled, you know, as best as possible. But um, the, yeah, the the on the job training as an athletic director really prepared me for this. We're talking with Stephanie Hauser, the executive director of the Wisconsin Interscholastic Athletic Association. Uh, again, held the annual meeting yesterday. No. You know, fireworks, as we've seen in the past, uh, you were there, obviously, a few years ago during the whole multiplier debate and, um, you know, four-hour uh, annual meeting, including roll call voting and, and all that stuff that, that went on a few years ago. It's, it's kind of died down a little bit. But um, three amendments did pass yesterday, as well as uh, some editorial changes. Again, not on the level of a multiplier or reducer or success factor or anything like that, but... Anything stand out uh, amongst the actual, you know, action items that were on the agenda yesterday? I think you, you know, you hit it on the head, Travis. There really wasn't anything that was going to bring many fireworks, not a lot of controversial issues. 
The three amendments that we did have before the membership have been talked about all year long, beginning at the area meetings last fall, and had you know solicited a lot of feedback from our membership. We really weren't hearing anything of concern. So I think things went mostly as we expected without any surprises. We had some great open forum topic discussion items that were brought forth by the membership as well. And, and really it was just, it was a great opportunity for us to formally get feedback from our membership and, and help, it helps us to start to plan what the area meetings are gonna look like next fall. Absolutely, and you mentioned that open forum uh, time frame. I've been uh, attending the annual meetings for over a decade. I was not able to make it yesterday, unfortunately, due to some family uh, requirements and scheduling, but I uh, did watch online. And it did seem to me that the open forum period, uh, as you said, had really good participation, some really good co uh, you know, questions and concerns brought up, and it seemed like more uh, you know, interaction more input in that open forum than maybe what we've seen in the past. Is there any of those items that were brought forward uh, in that open period, open forum period? Uh, things like, you know, start date of spring sports, that's always topical because it's now, um, you know, basketball seating, different things like that. Anything that, you know, stands out that that your office is, is you know, working on or that, you know, deserves special mention here uh, as, as we talk? Well, thank you for noticing that there was more participation in it because we did solicit the information in, in a different way this year. We reached out to the membership in advance as they registered for the area for the annual meeting and we asked them to submit open forum items that they'd be willing to come forward and speak to in the membership in that in that arena and so we did get more schools that participated in that. I, I'm not sure if it was just because they had time to think about it, time to prepare, but as a result, as you saw, we had many more people that submitted items and came to the microphone to speak. So that was really, that was really exciting to see more engagement. Um, and you're right, it, it allowed our staff also to have some time to think about some things that they wanted to share back with the membership. So, you know, I'm just thinking about the items themselves and nothing that the membership brought forth was a, of surprise to us. They were all things that they had shared either one-on-one -on -one with our staff or we had already talked about here in the office. So nothing was new. I, I think many of those items, you're gonna hear more conversation moving forward, whether it's just through additional conversation at area meetings and coaches advisory meetings or whether the membership chooses to go the route of a petition to look to get 10% of the membership on board to bring it back to the annual meeting a year from now. So there are, there are options when they bring items like that forward. One is just sometimes they just want us to start talking about it. Sometimes they're really serious about it and want the membership to consider it as a change for the future. Again, our conversation continues with Stephanie Hauser from the WIAA. Another chance to remind you to help save lives on Wisconsin roads and eliminate crashes. Join the Wisconsin Department of Transportation's new campaign, Buckle Up, Phone Down. Commit to always buckle your seatbelt and put your phone down while driving every trip, every time. Take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Well, as you mentioned, you've been in, uh, in high school athletics and education-based athletics for, for many years as a coach, as a teacher, as an athletic director, assistant director at the WIAA, and now the executive director of the uh, association. You know, how, how do you see your role 
as the executive director of the WIAA. What does that mean to you? What does it entail? What kind of things does that mean? Um, and also, you know, what what kind of uh, things do you do you feel like you need to bring from a leadership perspective to fulfill that role and to serve the membership of the WIAA? The, the easiest way to sum it up, Travis, is relationships. This is a people business. We, we, we don't even have an association without the kids that fill, fill the buildings, without the coaches that lead them, without the officials that, that you know facilitate the games and the leadership. So really, truly, I think that is my number one role, is just to help facilitate relationships between all of the moving parts. Um, I think beyond that, most people are just looking for support. They're looking for reassurance in challenging times, whether it be because we are you know, facing struggles from a, a pandemic, whether it's because we're facing shortages in officials and kind of all the pieces that, that go with that. It's, people are looking for support and leadership, relationship building, and then just a vision for the future. As you know, the world around us just keeps on changing. And the WIA has existed for 126 years. So some reassurance that we fully embrace our history and we are proud of that. But we also recognize that we have to continue modifying how we do things, how we think to stay in tune with, you know, the cultural processes and the way things are changing around us as well. Uh, you mentioned kind of staying in front of things. And, and one of the things that you mentioned during your uh, executive director um, period when you addressed the membership was the, the impact of name, image, and likeness um, trends and, and where that's going. We've heard a lot about that at the college level and how that is, you know, just changed the dynamic of college sports. What is, uh, first of all, what is the... NIL rules or guidelines in Wisconsin right now? And then also, where could that go? What kind of things is the WIA talking about as far as, you know, this is on the horizon? What do we need to know, learn, and, and maybe have in place in the future? Currently in the state of Wisconsin, as with the majority of the state associations in the nation, high school student athletes are amateur they're amateur athletes, they're not professionals. So there are not opportunities to benefit financially off your name, image, or likeness as an athlete. So th there, at this time, there is no option for that. Um, however, what we see happening, and obviously we're watching the NCAA very closely, for those who are paying attention to their interim policy that they have right now, you know, involving NIL, there's been some bumps and some wrinkles, and we're watching closely to see what we can learn from what they are learning as well. State associations across the nation are paying close attention. As I described yesterday in my speech, I am not confident in today's litigious and legislative society that if we just dig our heels in and keep our head in the sand, that we're going to be able to just maintain exactly where we're at right now. I do think we're going to have to move that needle a bit to make it palatable for all parties, but I trust our membership and I trust our staff to do it in a way that we believe protects 
the student athlete first and foremost. That's my biggest fear, Travis, is is making sure that the kids themselves are not um, solicited in such a way that they are, they're uneducated, they don't understand it, they don't know what they're getting into, and ultimately they get into a situation that really is not ultimately in, in their best interest. So we're gonna, we're gonna work with other state associations to keep talking about number one, the education piece of NIL. I've had the opportunity as a mom of college level student athletes to listen to NIL companies talk about how important that piece is of education and it is it's a very very big piece so there's much more conversation yet to come on that i don't have a crystal ball as to what that might look like but again we are working very closely with other state associations to um to work on something that we think can kind of uh i don't know like i said make it make it seem palatable for all parties involved Many athletic directors and coaches uh, and, and fans and players themselves uh, obviously deal with the day-to-day. They, they, they're worried about you know, the next game. They're worried about the, the weather. They're worried about um, you know, what's going on in front of them. But I imagine it, in your office, there's also a lot of planning and discussions about kind of that macro level of, of thinking about high school sports and thinking about the landscape in the state of Wisconsin that maybe even athletic directors aren't thinking about on a day-to-day basis. Is there anything, um, you know, that, that your office, that you are thinking about that, that maybe isn't on the radar necessarily of, of the schools, the athletic directors, the coaches that, that could be on the horizon, other things like the NIL or, or, you know, some of the other things maybe that you mentioned in your, uh, in your comments yesterday? That was that was the number one thing I wanted to get out in front of our membership because Travis, I don't I don't know that 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 is something that is really being thought about yet by high school athletic directors and and ultimately if I could just add to my my comments that I made previously, remember there in order for something to change in this association, it would need to be a membership driven decision. So certainly this this staff can lead those conversations, but ultimately that's something that would come to our membership for a vote. And if our 516 schools just don't feel like it is the right time or the right direction at this time, the answer will be no. But if they feel like it is, well, then the membership will speak and, and they will make that, that change. So that was the biggest one yesterday that I wanted at least just get out in front of our membership to make sure that they're, you know, they, they know that we are talking about it, that we, that we know we are watching very closely across the nation on what's happening with relation to NIL. Um, but I think... One other thing, and certainly it's not new, Travis, it's not new at all. In fact, it's the age-old piece. But in this post-COVID chapter, it's probably one of the best times to remind ourselves how unique and different education-based athletics is from the college scene. It is from the professional scene. Education-based athletics at its foundation is about participation and connecting kids to their schools. And that's what makes it so special. And that's what makes people who coach at the high school level the whole, whole career so passionate about it because it is unique and different. There is an absolute purpose for club sports and in other avenues. Um, absolutely. No one in this office will ever, will ever tell you that that is a bad thing for kids. But it's a different thing for kids. And also club 
sports is not something that is possible for every student athlete, depending on where they come from and their situation is financially, demographically. Sometimes they don't have access to it. So high school athletics is truly meant to be an opportunity for all. And that's what this office, and that's what so many coaches and athletic directors across the state, it's what drives them to keep coming back every year and keep doing it over and over is because they see the impact they have on kids every day. You know, I'm, I'm glad you, you say that because that was something I was going to ask you about or mention. Um, hearing, your, hear, hearing you talk and talking with you over the years, uh, one of the big emphasis is, is always education-based athletics. And um, I think too often people forget about that part of it, that it's education-based athletics. And so to hear you explain what that means and how it is different and why it's important is outstanding. And uh, again, something I've taken away in our conversations is it's always education-based athletic. It's, it's not just basketball or football or, or what have you. It's, it's that education-based component that remains important and remains uh, you know, in, the, in the forefront for what the WIAA does, what high schools are doing, what the coaches, athletic directors, and everyone involved are doing. So uh, that's, that's great to hear, certainly. Um, you mentioned the the WIA is a member based organization, and the members are the schools. And the any changes to rules, uh, constitutional amendments, especially those kinds of things, need to come from the schools. But if you were in charge and you were able to rule with an iron fist, uh, and you could make any and all changes that you wanted to, what is the one change that you would make, and why would it be to ensure that spring sports weather stays good from April first to June thirtieth? <laughs> oh gosh well I say this often honestly my opinion doesn't matter Travis because I don't get to I don't get to say so um, but let's see if, if I had a magic magic solution for spring sports well I, I was huh, I was just kind of teasing you know if you could change the weather that yeah. would be it and and that would be the only thing anyone well yeah that would, would really be number about, one let, let, yeah, yeah, let me yeah. first talk to mother nature and let's wave the magic wand and make it playable but I think we got a uh, I think we got a really wonderful taste of what it could be like last year by starting a little later especially uh, we always kind of use the highway 29 as that is that magical cutoff point weather wise now we're just south of highway 29 here in stevens point i would argue that's more kind of down by westfield is where we see a, a change in the climate but certainly for those schools north of highway 29 uh, a later start really could benefit those kids in the spring sports but what we did see last year was a lot of pushback from for going deeper into the summer People were not happy about that. There's vacations, there's jobs, there's kids that are participating in club sports. There's uh, kids who are multi-sport athletes and then they have camps and they have open gyms for their other sports they're involved in. And so I don't know that going deeper into the summer is an answer to that either, but there's been some good conversation. I think spring coaches, after going through last year, see some advantages to potentially starting later. So I, I really believe that those conversations aren't over, and I'll be looking forward to getting feedback from the schools on that. Well, we could also have a, an entire hour-long uh, discussion and debate about what is up north. You know, if, if you're mentioning Highway 29 and, <laughs> you know, what is what is up north to, to anyone? You know, for some people it might be Madison. For some people it might be Highway 10 or Highway 8 or Highway 2. So... We'll we'll save that for yep. another day, though, right? Yep, exactly. 
Um, you did uh, you did kind of give it a little bit of an update, uh, in as well as uh, Jordan Sins and um, Michelle Guyant, uh, the the chairs of the competitive equity uh, committee yesterday. But if you could just kind of share with us where they're at in the work being done on that competitive equity um, issue, you know, if there's a timeline or a rough, uh, you know, schedule on kind of what's coming next, you know, and ultimately, if there's an idea on here's when they will have a proposal for something different, or if they'll have a proposal for here's why what we're doing works, whatever it might be, just kind of give us an update on where that process is at is because as I'm sure you guys get, that's one of the most frequent questions that, that I get and that we, we get in comments and different things is, you know, what, what's going on with this? Why haven't they fixed it? And well, most of the time it's, why don't they just go back to WISA? But that's not going to happen, obviously. So, you know, just give us a little bit of an update on that uh, competitive equity committee. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. And you're, you're right, the co-chairs, Jordan Sins, and he is the district administrator at Wisconsin Heights, and then Michelle Guyon-Holloway, who is the athletic director of Wauwatosa East, were nominated by their peers on that committee to lead the committee as co-chairs, and they're, and they're doing an outstanding job. So we've got 24 school leaders from across the state, large, medium, small schools, rural, urban, private, public, and all levels of school administrators, superintendents, principals, and athletic directors. And then our staff attends the meetings as well. We are not part of the committee, but we help to facilitate the discussion. We also have employed two outside entities to help keep this process moving. One is the Donovan Group to assist with communications to make sure that the membership is being continually communicated with so that the uh, the questions and the feedback, it's very transparent as to where we are. And then also Baird Analytics, because the committee believes that we need to gather data so we actually have numbers to put some theories to the test. As you know, Travis, everyone has their opinion about this topic. And so the committee has identified data that they believe will help either <laughs> uh, support those theories or or send those theories packing because they just don't simply hold true when you put the numbers to paper. We have done a lot of initial studying of other state associations models that they have used in, in response to the membership's request to look at this competitive balance topic. We have looked at a couple different plans that our own membership have submitted. Some recently also, as you know, the success plan that was looked, back, looked at back in 2014. As Jordan and Michelle shared, I think the, the thing that has jumped out at the committee the most is that this is such a complicated issue. For those out there listening that think this is an easy fix, it is not an easy fix. It just is not. You've got a, a membership of 516 schools that are all invested and certainly all want the same things for their kids, and there's just no easy solution to make everybody feel like they have a chance to go win it all. And that's really what the goal of the committee is. The goal of the committee is, is to make schools feel like they, they have a fair chance at really going deep in the playoffs and ultimately hopefully winning a gold ball in, in one of the respective sports. So as far as the second question of your timeline, Travis, I will tell you what their hope is. They would love to have kind of a, a plan A 
and a plan B and a plan C or a plan A and an A1 and an A2, some modifications, ready to go by the area meetings next fall. So that at all seven of the area meetings around the state, they can really engage the memberships in some really deep diving into these plans to say, okay, where do you see problems? Where do you see things that look really good? And, and then to continue those conversations throughout the year, engage memberships in, in maybe some open forum listening sessions, some, you know, some fireside chats, but have something come to the membership for a vote in April of 2023 at the annual meeting. So that is kind of their timeline from here on. They've been meeting twice month, monthly since December. They are going to go once in May, once in June, take a break in July, and then come back at it in August to get ready for those area meetings. So we're getting closer to have some more plans for people to look at but ultimately it's gonna be a membership vote in April. And you're right, Travis, there still is a chance that ultimately the membership is gonna say there isn't a solution for this. I, I don't know. I wish I had a crystal ball to tell you exactly how this was gonna happen. Well, if you had a crystal ball, we'd just uh, fix it the way it, it, it would make everyone happy, but like conference realignment and like many other issues, there's there's no opportunity to make every single person happy. And that's obviously the, you know, one of the more difficult parts about it is, uh, you know, as we, as we've always, as I've always said with uh, conference realignment and, and this made it might've come from Deb Hauser, even, I don't know, uh, you know, not everyone can be the biggest school in their conference with the shortest drive. Um, it's just, there's, there's differences in the trying to make it work the best you can and figuring out if there's things that can, make it better you know that's kind of the the process that uh that everyone goes through and, and what the uh what the competitive equity committee is going through so good to hear those updates and and get some uh timeline uh updates on where things are going with that certainly um and Travis, you know, if i could just add one more thought to that top if i could it was shared in the open forum by Sean Groshek from Amherst and then again reiterated by Jordan Sins in his portion of the presentation yesterday. And that's one thing that gets a little bit lost sometimes is, is when you are a membership of 516 schools, it, it gets difficult sometimes not to really think of things in, in a selfish way. Every school wants what's best for their school and no one faults them for that because that is where your first responsibility lies to your own student athletes to your own community and to your own school so everybody expects that should be the first level of interest is taking care of of your own but then the second part is uh, when you're part of a membership it's like being part of a community you have to also think about what is good for that school down the road and I think that's been the biggest eye-opener for the 24 on this committee and they have shared that very openly in their conversations that like they had no idea that it was as complex as it is because when you're only looking through the windshield of your own vehicle, it seems so simple until you get all those voices around the table and you hear about what it's like in their part of the state or their size of school. And all of a sudden you realize, wow, this is why no one has found a magic answer to this because it is a lot more complicated than just looking through our own, our own lens. Well, want to uh, take a moment to, uh, to to chat a little bit about um, you know the, the family because uh, obviously your um, 
your family and especially your kids have, have done some great things and doing great things. Your son, Joey, uh, recently wrapped up his uh, season at Michigan State and recently announced that he will return next year. Your son, Sam, is in the NBA uh, playing for the Celtics and hopefully does extremely well, but um, still the Bucks advance. Uh, and then your daughter, Nikki, is, uh, has, has wrapped up her college, uh, her college career and doing good things as well. You know, what is it like trying to balance being mom and being a fan of, of uh, you know, your kids and this role and, you know, especially as your kids get into that highest level, what, what kind of, what kind of is that like for you? Well, I think, you know, I, I sit back so many times, Travis, and, and just smile because I feel so blessed, not only professionally, but also personally, I mean, what what more could I possibly want out of life? You know, my three kids, as student athletes themselves, are doing their own thing, and you know, they they all three of them have a, their own challenges, just like so many other families and kids out there. But they're they're persevering in spite of it. And so, as a parent, you know, you know, Travis, that's all you want for your kids. You just want your kids to have happiness and find satisfaction in their lives. And so you can sit back and mom and dad and say, okay, we did our job. So now, now hopefully they've taken what we've helped them learn and they go forward and, and do good things. And, yeah, you're right. It, it has been gratifying, you know, so often because the boys have accomplished you know, great things on such a big platform. People forget about child number one, and Nikki was our trailblazer. She was uh, she was 11, 11 letter winner at SPASH. We always tease her because the only letter she didn't win was her freshman year in basketball, and her dad was the varsity basketball coach. So we out, we remind him very often that she, he's the only reason she didn't win 12 varsity letters at SPASH, you know, one of the bigger high schools in the state, and being a three-sport athlete, she was – boy, she was good, and the boys probably would not debate that to tell you she's the best athlete in the family. So she's the director of volleyball operations at the University of Virginia. Really proud of her and taking her knowledge and experience of athletics to that leadership level. And as a young female in the profession, I'm really happy for her. You know, Sam is living out every little every little baller's dream. He's living it out right now. And he, he realizes that he may, not, he may not see the floor throughout the playoffs, but he's doing everything he can as a teammate to help support his teammates do great things, and they're really fun to watch right now. And dang it all, I've been a I've been a Bucks fan since I was a little girl, and personally, I wish they didn't have to play the Celtics because I think the Celtics is, are playing just really great basketball right now. And I actually like the winner of this series. I like this the winner to win it all. Um, so I feel like there's not going to be a loser in in this series for the Hauser family because either Sam and his team advance or the Bucks advance, who we've been fans our whole lives. And then Joey, as you know, you know, he had to leave high school early. He kind of got a raw deal on that one because of his ankle surgery. But he's getting his opportunity now to play his fourth year of college basketball and couldn't be happier for him. He'll be able to finish his master's degree by next May and have one more year as a, as a Michigan State Spartan. So life is good, cherishing every moment and not taking anything for granted. And as if uh, your family's not busy enough, should also mention that your husband, David, was recently hired uh, or, or will start soon as the athletic director at Stevens Point as well. So uh, plenty going on in the Hauser household. <laughs> yeah, really excited for Dave. He's really happy about that opportunity. Mike Blair is going to be retiring this summer, and so Dave will officially move into that role August 1st and living out you know, an, an opportunity that he's 
been hoping to do for quite a while. He's been the junior high athletic director here in Stevens Point at one of our two junior highs for a while, and now he's excited to be able to, you know, be able to live out that opportunity at at Spash. And um, Spash has been an, an awesome place for our three kids, and we, they've been coached by some of the best coaches. And we're excited for him to have that new role too. So, yep. Uh, before we let you go, I, I do want to touch on a topic that that I've always, um, you know, felt important as uh, the older brother of two young females that played high school sports, and both have stayed in the the sports realm to to an extent. My younger sister was a JV basketball coach for a couple years. Um, my other sister mm-hmm. has uh, it, it works in the park and rec department at uh, for the city of Lacrosse. Um, you know, I. I always would love to see more girls and young women and women involved in some of the, uh, you know, the the post high school sports realm and especially active in high school sports, uh, coaching, as administrators, as officials. Uh, we would love to see more of that, and I know the WIA would love to see more of that as well. But I'm just wondering, from your perspective, as a, a female that has risen to the, you know, the, the top of the leadership role in high school sports in Wisconsin, what challenges do do young girls and women face? And what what kind of things can all of us do, whether it's the WIA, whether it's individual schools, whether it's coaches, what have you, to encourage and try to get more females in those roles as coaches, officials, athletic directors, school administrators, uh, you know, those kinds of things. It's a really great question, Travis. Really good question. Um, it's it's probably you know just kind of not ironic, but it's just really kind of cool that we're also celebrating the 50th anniversary of Title IX. And as I've shared with a few people, you know, believe it or not, I'm I'm too young to really understand the impact that Title IX has had because I've always had that opportunity, as you mentioned with your sisters. I've always been able to play sports like my two brothers did, and so I really knew no no different. But over the past several months, since we kicked off our celebration at the girls' wrestling tournament in January of 2022, we've had the opportunity to hear the stories from, you know, women who are maybe 10 years older than I am that that saw that unfold and just how how things have changed for the better for girls in our state with regard to athletics. And I think one thing you said is. You know, the participation itself was one piece that Title IX opened up a door for, but then that next piece is how to obtain a leadership role in athletics. And so there has to be some intentionality. It doesn't just happen by accident. Sometimes for people, I'm not one of those people, but for some people, sometimes the only way they're going to believe it is if they see it. And so for maybe for some of the girls in our state, they didn't really believe that a female ever could be the leader of the WIA. But now that they see it, now they believe it. So our board took a leap of faith, if you want to call it that, or, or maybe they had a vision that this was an intentional hire because they wanted to show other females out there that absolutely this is something that you can do. But it goes beyond just females, Travis. You know, it, it's diversity just to to try to be intentional about having diverse voices around the table, to have diverse people in in different roles. And again, seeing is believing for kids 
all kids to look at people doing different jobs to know that they aspire to do that. But this is a conversation that we've had in our office uh, specific to women in leadership. And it is something that the National Federation is really paying close attention to. They're having their first Women's Leadership Summit beginning virtually in, I think, now three days. It kicks off on Monday. And so we are, are, are talking about being able to do something like that in the future for, for young girls in our state as well. The other thing that I wanted to share with you is that I talked about yesterday is we're going to be looking to add a student component to the association. Don't know what that's going to look like. We already have our student sportsmanship summit every other year. We really would like to grow that and grow more of a regular opportunity to meet with students to help them recognize what leadership opportunities there are in this sports industry. So many kids think that the only way they can have a life in sports is to be a professional athlete. We all know what the odds are of that happening. It's very, very, very small. And so we feel it's our duty for the sustainability of this organization and organizations you know, like high school athletic programs to show kids what's out there and how they can go about doing that and try to help prep them for the skills that they would need to one day be in a role of athletic leadership. And that's for all kids. Well, certainly great uh, great topics that we, we hope will continue to, to be topics of conversation within the, the stakeholders in the state of Wisconsin, including the WIAA. Uh, Stephanie Hauser, we certainly appreciate you taking some time to come on with us and, and provide some insight into the association and the things going on, the things on the horizon, and just giving us an update on on, uh, on everything WIAA and high school sports. So thank you very much for, uh, for doing that. Thanks for having me, Travis. It was fun. All right. Uh, Stephanie Hauser, Executive Director of the WIAA. Before we sign off, one more opportunity to help remind you to help save lives on Wisconsin roads and eliminate crashes. Join the Wisconsin Department of Transportation's new campaign, Buckle Up, Phone Down. Commit to always buckle your seatbelt and put your phone down while driving every trip, every time. Take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. That will do it for today's episode of the wisports.net podcast. I am Travis Wilson. We'll see you at a game.